Thank you, Brother Kerry. Brother Joel, we're going to hold the sermon slide just for a moment, if you don't mind. This morning, uh, I appreciate you worshiping. I mean, uh, our praise team and leading us, Brother Terry leading us in music, and you taking part in worship, and that's, uh, that's what it's about. It's coming to church on the Lord's Day and, and God's people worshiping together, and so I, I really appreciate you worshiping, and I pray that our worship was pleasing to the Lord and honoring Him this morning. I was praying this week about, uh, uh, about what to share with you. And uh, I'm sharing a message this morning that I believe that many people, perhaps some of you, uh, would rather not hear. Some today, uh, had they known the subject in advance, probably would have stayed at home. Some viewing Facebook Live and YouTube Live, or listening by radio, probably would never gone online, probably never would tuned in on radio. Some here this morning, if it wasn't for public embarrassment or fear, you'd probably just politely get up and leave your seat, walk out, and leave the building. It's a subject that uh, many dread to hear. However, some have made peace with the subject. They don't mind you preaching about the topic or referring to it. But some have, uh, you know, they've been delivered from the dread of it. They've been delivered from the fear of the subject. And they've accepted it in, in somewhat with anticipation. So this morning I want to share with you a sermon that I've just entitled, um, I think the title, Brother Joel, The One Thing for Certain. The One Thing for Certain. Death. I'm going to talk about death. And I do that because uh, you turn on the TV, we find over 200,000 people have died because of this virus. We find where death is entering the homes of so many people just by natural causes today. And so I wanted just to speak just a few minutes about this subject about death. If you brought your Bibles, turn to Genesis chapter 3 as we pick it up. Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. Genesis 3, 1 through 4. Genesis 3, 1 through 4. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. And the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. Now, if you will, turn to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. And we'll look at verse 12. Romans 5, verse 12. 
Romans 5, 12. The Bible says, God's Word says, Therefore, just as though one man, sin, entered into the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men, because all have sinned. If you'll turn to a chapter 6, familiar passage, verse 23. For the wages of sin is death. Then if you'll look at Hebrews chapter 9, familiar passage. We'll look at verse 27, jot this down. And as it is appointed for men to die once, but after this, the judgment. Then if you would turn back over into the Old Testament to Ecclesiastes, right after Proverbs, Ecclesiastes. Notice what God's Word says in verse 8, Ecclesiastes 8. No one has the power over the Spirit to retain the Spirit. No one has the power in the day of death. There is no release from that war, and the wickedness will not deliver those who are given to it. This morning you'll say, well, Brother Sammy, why are you preaching about death? Well, according to the inspired, infallible, the inerrant Word of God... Physical death is coming our way. Physical death is coming our way as believers unless the Lord comes first. And according to God's word, physical death and eternal death are coming to the unbeliever. So death is a pretty important subject for us to be familiar with. It's coming our way unless the Lord comes first. Every cemetery testifies of the fact of death. Every funeral home testifies of the fact of death. Every printed obituary testifies of the fact of death. I go online each morning, sometime different times during the day, and I read the obituary of three local funeral homes in our area. This past Tuesday, Jimmy McCarley called me at 6.30 in the morning uh, to tell me that Reba, his wife, Reba's son, his stepson, Todd, had had a massive heart attack and had died at the age of 55. I got that same type of notification from Jimmy on October the 4th when Jimmy called and said Reba's younger son, Tim, had died with a heart attack at age 48. A pastor friend of mine, week before last, Brother James Nichols, pastor at Mount Olive in Hodges, died, heart attack. Preacher friend of mine this past week, some of you know him, a preacher friend, W.D. Humphreys, died from bone cancer. A pastor's wife, week before last, Betty Griffiths, Lord Ray Griffiths' wife, passed away. A friend that I drank coffee with for years every morning, his name was Ron Sherrill, died November the 3rd. I've had brothers and sisters in Christ to die. Larry Wilbanks, a member of our church, on October the 13th, passed away. Inez Cohen, a member of our church, September the 29th, passed away. Becky Hutchison, the daughter of 
Otis and Jeanette Hutchison, who are members of our church, passed away as by one man, listen, sin entered into the world and death by sin, because of sin, so death passed upon all men for all have sinned. It's coming your way. It's coming my way. You had better face the fact that death is certain. In the years of ministry, I've discovered that some people won't talk about death, some people won't think about death, and they never prepare for death. I think that's kindly ironic because it's the only thing we know for certain that death is coming. There's kind of like a brain disconnect in the mind of people for the one thing that they know is absolutely for certain, death. They make preparation for marriage. They make preparation for children. They make preparation for education, preparation for retirement, preparation with a 401k, preparation with stocks and bonds and all of these monetary assets. Build up all this accumulation, but the fact of the matter is a lot of people never reach retirement age. Never. Judy's uncle, never will forget, Judy's uncle passed away at 62 and his widow had to return his first Social Security check. Worked all his life to retire. And then never had an opportunity to enjoy that retirement. So the question is simply this. Have you made preparation? Have you prepared for that day? Are you ready? There's not one thing that you and I can do to stop it. According to Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes, listen what God's Word said. Ecclesiastes chapter 8, verse 8. No one has the power over the Spirit to retain the Spirit. The most difficult thing I've ever had to do is to stand beside a bedside when death came to a person and no one in that room could do anything about it. There's no power over that. No power over that spirit. To retain that spirit, no one has power in the day of death. Regardless what you try to do, it can't be done. You say, well, Brother Sammy, I'm not going, I'm going to, you know, I'm, I'm not going to think about it. Well, what's that going to change? I'm not going to visit a funeral home. Well, what's that going to change? I just don't like funerals. Well, I don't either. But what does that change? Postponing it won't help, or it won't change the fact children die, teenagers die, young adults die, senior, middle-aged adults die, senior adults die. Death is no respect of person. One out of one dies. And that's why Hebrews 9, verse 27 says this, it says, it's appointed, and it is appointed for men to die once. And after death, the judgment. Now, that's important. We're going to die, and after death, the judgment. Now, you didn't create death. I didn't create death. And death didn't come upon me because of something that I did. Death was here before I ever showed up 
Death was here before you ever showed up. So death is the result of man's rebellion against God when man sinned against God. So death was passed upon all men because all have sinned. Death is here. Death is a fact. Something that we must deal with. So the question is, have you made provisions for death? Now, are you ready? And I'm not talking about planning or having a prepaid funeral. And those are good. That's good. That's really good. I'm not talking about who the preacher is going to be or who's going to officiate or what music you're going to have or where is your burial plot. I'm not talking about any of that. those things. Those are important. I'm talking about the moment that your soul leaves your body. And you're going to leave planet Earth. As one preacher said, you don't have to go to heaven and you don't have to go to hell, but you can't stay here. Are you ready for that day? If you're not, be careful. If you're not careful, sin and Satan will keep you in a mindset where you think that you're going to live forever. And that's just not true. Death is coming, and it may be closer than you think. My dad preached at Rockwood for 32 years. And the last sermon he preached on Sunday was about death. And Thursday he died. So you may be thinking this is not important. You don't want to hear it. You may, uh, you may be dead next year or next week or even today. Nothing can alter the fact that you're going to die so the question is, are you ready? Death is certain if you're taking notes. Death is certain. Secondly, a journey after death. Luke chapter 16. Turn there if you will. Luke 16. So we know for sure that we're headed toward death. Death's coming. And Luke 16, the journey after death. Luke 16 verse 22. You're familiar about Lazarus and the rich man. Verse 22, we'll pick up with Lazarus. So it was that the beggar, Lazarus, died, and he was carried by angels to Abraham's bosom, and the rich man also died and was buried. And being in torments in Hades, he lifted up his eyes, saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. Now notice there's a difference in the death of the body and the existence of the soul. That's very important. There's a death of the body, but there's the existence of the soul. Verse, 20, verse 22 says, and he was buried. That's the body. We bear the body. Scripture uses the word planted. That's a good illustration of what takes place. And Jesus used that as being planted, and all of a sudden one day, Raising up from the earth like a new sprout of a, a new seed that was sown. We sown the body, planted the body. One day it's going to be raised new. Verse 22, and he was buried. That's the body. Verse 23, and in hell he lifted up his eyes. 
So the rich man died and he buried his body, but in hell he lifted up his eyes. And so that's a a descriptive statement. In other words, he died and we don't know what happened, and we don't know if he got sick or he was struck down or had an accident, but the point is the rich man died, and they buried his body. It's what happens today. However, he's still around. If you'll look at verse 23, and he, being in torment in Hades, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. His body is buried wherever but he's still around. In particular here, particularly here, he's in Hades. He's in hell. He lifted up his eyes. Underline that. He lifted up his eyes. In other words, he took in where he was. It dawned on him where he was. After his soul left his body, he realized the fact where he was. My, what a shock it must have been. He lifted up his eyes. He he may have been an atheist, or he may have been an agnostic, and he may have been a good man, may have been a moral man, may have been a self-righteous person. He may have been a real religious person, but regardless what he was, there was a time came where he lifted up his eyes and was in total shock. Do you understand the horror that's going to flood a person's soul the moment they wake up in hell. Nothing around them but damnation and sorrow and burning. Think of that. There's nobody to plead with. There's no one to call out to. There's no way to get help. No one ever to bring you a cup of water. You're in hell. It dawns on you. To lift up your eyes in hell must be the worst shock that you could ever experience. It's not a shock that you're going to die. You know that's coming. But it's a shock to realize you're in hell. Some people boast and brag, when I die, just throw me in a ditch. I hear this time, just throw me in a ditch like a dog. Like it's over with. Now death is over. Death is over with. But you're still alive and you have a journey to take. And to realize that after you're bragged and bragged and bragged. And then you're in a place that you can't do anything about. And that's what happened to this man. He lifted up his eyes in hell. Earth's finest go to hell. Kings and queens and popes and nuns and preachers and evangelists, the wealthy, the poor, the gifted, the privileged, just jotted down a a bunch. Movie stars, actors and actresses and athletes and musicians and rappers and presidents and Supreme Court justices and politicians and thieves and atheists and murderers and drunkards All those have one thing in common. They rejected Jesus Christ. You know, that's why people go to hell. You go to heaven or to hell for what you do with Jesus. Christ rejectors go to hell. And so the point is, anyone who chooses to to reject Jesus Christ 
as Lord and Savior. After death, they'll take a journey to hell. So you have the certainty of death, and you have a journey after death without Christ, and then you have a journey, number three, if you're taking notes, after death with Jesus Christ. Now here's the good news. You don't have to go to hell. John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him, trusts him, should not perish but have everlasting life. You know, today we're preaching, we have preachers that preach a prosperity gospel. And they'll preach things like, if you trust Jesus Christ, if you'll plant some seed money in this ministry, God's going to bless you, and God's going to bless you with a new house, and God's going to bless you with a new car, and God's going to bless you with, with a new business, and He's going he's to bless you with more money. I hear that just thumbing through the channels, especially on Saturday and Sunday morning. But let me tell you something, Jesus Christ didn't come he didn't leave heaven's portals to come to earth and die on the cross so you can drive a new car or you can have a new house or you can have plenty of money. He came to earth to die on the cross, suffered the pain on the cross, hung on the cross, shed his blood on the cross, was the supreme sacrifice, was buried, arose again the third day. He's coming back again. He did all of that to keep you out of hell. That's why he did it. He suffered the horror of the cross to keep you from suffering the horrors of hell. Now you may think, I don't believe in hell. Okay, don't believe in hell. But that doesn't negate the fact that there is a hell. Do you believe in heaven? Yeah, I believe there's a heaven. Well, if there's a heaven, there has to be a hell. This thing of right, there has to be a wrong this thing of God, there must be a Satan. The sacrifice of the Son of God was to keep you and me out of hell. And you don't have to go there. And so today you can take a journey to the cross and you can trust Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And you can have the assurance and the comfort to know that when death comes to you, and that's for certain, your journey will be with Christ to heaven. You see, there's only one person that can keep you out of hell. There's only one name. It's not Baptist, and it's not Church of Christ, or Methodist, or Catholic, or Mormon, or Jehovah's Witness. It's not a Baptist. The word's not baptism, and it's not morality. Neither, the Bible says, neither is there salvation in any other name given among men whereby we must be saved. And that name is Jesus Christ. Jesus said, if any man comes to me, I will in no wise cast him out. Now, you may not understand the Bible. I don't understand all the Bible, a lot of it. You may not understand all there is to know about heaven or about hell or these theological questions and who was, who was um, I don't know, they come up with some, they ask me some of these questions and I'm thinking, you know what I tell them? You'll be in hell 10,000 years before you find answer to that question. Jesus said, if anyone comes to me, I will not cast him out. 
You know what that means? Regardless what your past has been, if you'll just come to Jesus, he'll forgive you and wipe the slate clean and receive you as a child of his. Well, what do I do? You receive it. You receive that free gift of eternal life. It is a gift of eternal life. The thief comes to steal and kill, but I've come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. He wants to give you an abundant life right now. He wants to help you with your, with your marriage. He wants to help you with your parents. He wants to help you in school. He wants to help you at the job site. He wants to help you now. And when you die, he wants you to be with him forever in eternity. He will in no way, he says, no wise cast him out. Whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Well, how do I prepare for that journey, Brother Sammy? Well, it's real simple. Jesus is not trying to hide salvation from anyone. It's, it's all summed up in one little word. I'm going to share it real quick. We're finished. I'm going to do it on my hand. It's called faith. Elf, forgiveness. It's impossible to go to heaven without it. The Bible says it this way. In him, meaning Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sin. You can go to heaven. You can have forgiveness. Can't go without it. A, it's available to everybody. That's why he says, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. But it's not automatic. That's why the scripture says, not everyone that says, Lord, Lord, is going to enter the kingdom of heaven, but he that does the will of the Father which is in heaven. And then F, A, it's available. I, it's impossible to go because I'm a sinner by nature and by choice. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And heaven's a beautiful place, a sinless place. And I've really got this problem because I can't go there because I'm a sinner and something's got to happen to my sin. And that's where T comes in. I turn from my sin, that's repentance, and I turn to a person by the name of Jesus. I don't turn to a church, I don't turn to the ordinances, I, turn, I don't turn to morality. All of that changes, it has its place, the church has its place, the ordinances have their place, morality has its place, that'll never save me. But I turn from all of those things and I trust Jesus and him alone. And when I do that, he forgives me and he saves me and that's H and H is heaven somewhat on earth. I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly here right now to help you in all things and then to have a home in heaven. Summed up in one word, faith, F-A-I-T-H, on one hand. But you know you have a hand too. Would you be willing today to take your hand of faith in the Lord Jesus and reach up and take his hand as he reaches down to you to save your soul from hell? Would you do that? You may be trusting in the church, some ordinance. I don't know, but I do know this. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by me. And whatever you're trusting in, whatever road you own, he said, I'm the road, I'm the hadas, I'm the way. If you're on some other way, you're going to miss heaven altogether. You need to trust Jesus today. 
because death is certain. There's a journey afterwards, one without Christ and a journey with Christ. But the decision is yours. And I pray today that you will take your hand of faith and reach up to his as he reaches down to save your soul from a place called hell. And then be born into the family of God. Follow him in believer's baptism. Show unto everyone that you believe that he came and he died and was buried and he arose again on the third day. And one day he's coming back. And when he does, he's taking you with him and me with him and others who have put their faith and trust in him. That's how I pray. Well, Father, thank you for an opportunity we've had to come into your presence today. I thank you, Lord, for speaking to my heart. Lord, to warn the people that death is certain. It's all around us, but we pretend, we pretend, we pretend we're going to live forever. But, Lord, we know that that's not the case. And I pray, Lord, you've spoken to hearts today. I pray for a hard heart, stiff heart. You'll soften that today. Anyone who's rejected you today, you'll soften that heart. And they'll know by your Spirit's leading that they need to come to you to be saved today. Change their life today. Allow your Holy Spirit to do what you say he will do to convict of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Oh God, thank you for loving us enough to send Jesus to die for us where we would not have to experience that place called hell. In simple, childlike faith, trust you to be our Lord, our Savior. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.